0: 91.3 KBCS, Music and Ideas, listener-supported radio from Bellevue College. The next KBCS interview is with Kiana Davis, an adjunct faculty member at Renton Technical College, a poet and an author. So today we're talking about hair. You have taken this on for your research, and tell me what took you into... This journey of researching hair within the African-American
1: community? Um, I'm a narrative poet, and so I write a lot about myself. And so in 2009, I went natural, which means I didn't chemically process my hair anymore. And I was excited about the journey, and so I started not relaxing my hair and learning how to wash my hair, condition my hair, and that in itself was eye-opening. Because I started um, the process in my 30s. And I did not know my hair. And that was um, a revelation to me that my hair was more resilient than me. My project is called Unyielding Roots because I realized that my hair was unyielding. It didn't care about hair standards. It didn't care about policies, workplace policies. My hair was gonna grow exactly as my hair was going to grow. And it was very resilient. Instead of my hair complying with me, I had to learn to comply with my hair. And I had to learn how to treat it how to wash it how to condition it and in going that process it was um ups and downs because I was thinking maybe I should go back and get my hair chemically relaxed and I said no let me keep going and so as I was doing that I noticed how people were paying attention to me and my hair so if my hair was natural people would smile at me and look oh okay but once I decided to straighten my hair people would be like oh you combed your hair today or there was a lot of I really like your hair on the days that I would straighten it. So I, I saw the different messaging that I was getting um, when I was just natural and then when I would straighten my hair. And so I was thinking, wow, who else is kinda going through this? Um, but it was around the time that Chris Rock had this documentary called The Good Hair. That I decided to take this journey on. It's just been a love-hate relationship with my hair and so now I'm embracing it. And around 2013 I started seeing a lot of stories of young girls in school that were being like pushed out are told that if they didn't change their natural hair, they were going to be expelled or they were going to be suspended from school. And that is what sparked my interest in hair. What kind of
0: age frame are we talking about for, for young girls to feel like that
1: they need to do this for the society? So one of my first workshops I did for the project is I showed good hair. And there was a little girl in there, I think she was like five or six years old, who was getting a relaxer. Studies have been shown that the relaxers can cause cancer and fibroids and things like that. But so as early as like five years old, I took my niece in a couple years ago and my sister asked me, are you going to relax her hair? She was four. And I was like, no. No. She was like, Well, a lot of mothers around our community are relaxing their hair. So I just wanted to make sure you were, you know, just to see what you were going to do with her hair. And I was like, No, her hair will be natural. And so I think just because of our hair texture and because of, you know, the curly texture, it could be, it could be um, called kinky, it can be called nappy, it could be called thick. That's one of the terms that I use. My hair is very thick. It's not as easy to manage. And so styling it is a process. Styling it can take a while. And I, was as a kid, was known as tender-headed, which meant that my mom combed my hair, my scalp was very tender, but my hair was very thick, and I would cry. And so even when my mom did my hair, as a, a young girl, she'd wash it, press it, so I don't know if you know what pressing is, like she'd get a hot comb, put it on the stove, and then she would section my hair off and go through my hair section by section with this hot comb, and she would um, straighten my hair. So that's how I got my hair managed as a little girl. And that could be painful, and that takes time. So maybe you're not relaxing your child's hair, but maybe they're flat ironing their child's hair. And so that was traumatic for me as a little kid. I hated Sundays because I was a wash day, and that meant I had to sit in a chair. My mom was gonna burn me. <laughs> But I love the after, you know, after she was done with, oh, my hair is long and it was cute and everything. But the process of getting to um, straight hair was was hard. What goes into the process of washing African-American hair? Um, I'm not exactly sure how everyone handles it, but I know it could be for me all day. It could be like a day I'm going to set aside or several hours on a Saturday or Sunday. I'm going to wash my hair. And I like to use a detangling shampoo, and that's important for me to say because my hair gets very tangled. So I have to section my hair off in four sections and I'll wash each section separately. And um, even before I wash my hair, let me say I have to detangle it. So I have to kind of make sure my hair is not tangled because then that can form knots and then the knots could pull your hair out. So there's just th- that's just before you get to the washing. Um, some people put oil in their hair to pre-poo it, to make it soft and um, to get ready for wash day so it doesn't strip all the oil out of your hair to try to kind of counter that. And so I'll section my hair off, I'll detangle it, wash it in the shower, <laughs> and then rinse that out. Then s- keep the sections, put the conditioner in there, and then let it sit in there for a while, and then while it's conditioned, I'll comb through it, right, just to make sure, that it's not tangled up. After I've washed it, then I'll wash my hair out, and then maybe I'll decide to deep condition it, right? So maybe it's sectioned, maybe I have plaited it, or braiding it, whatever term you wanna use. Maybe I have plaited the four sections, I'll put the deep conditioner in there, I'll sit under a hooded dryer for maybe like 30 minutes, or just walk around for an hour with a towel on my head, letting my hair, deep condition then I'll wash that out then maybe I don't want to put more heat on my hair to damage my hair so I would just let my hair air dry for the day or half of the day and then go back the next day and style it some kind of way so it could be an all-day process just to get my hair in a state like maybe twist I uh, twist it and then the next day take it down two strand twist is really a cool way to get your hair curly the next day or have a nice style for a week. So that kind of style might last. Maybe I'll plait it and let it air dry and then take it down the next day or two days later. So it has a really nice curly texture, afro type of style. So it just really depends, but it could be, it could take a while to have your hairstyle. So that's one of the reasons why it's important for me to talk about this because our hair in itself is not as easy as to take care of as other cultures, because there's so many steps that we have to take. And so when, if you see our hair in like a curly state, it could have taken hours to get to that. It could have been like an overnight, you know, we plaited our hair at night and then taking it down. And then we go to work and people were saying that is not acceptable, but that is like a hairstyle that is our natural from our head. And we're just plaiting it and then letting it out the next day so that it can have, you know, a nice curly effect. So that takes time it's a serious process because this is our hair we want to we look good I mean I want to look good you know women want to look good overall and so we have to figure as natural hair people how to deal with our hair how to handle it how to manage it how to style it
0: yeah it takes it takes planning
1: yeah you it know. takes planning like okay am I going to wash my hair this Saturday no I don't want to wash it I'm tired I'm going to wash it so sometimes I have to look at the calendar and say okay every you know every Saturday I wash or every two weeks or maybe every three weeks. Because sometimes the longer you go without washing it, the cuter it is. You know, that's just something our the community that we know. It's not that our hair is dirty, it's just that the more that time that we put moisturizer in it, that's when it actually starts thriving and it looks really good.
0: So tell me what protective hairstyles mean in the black community.
1: Um, I was just looking at thirstyroots.com, which is a really great website. Um, their definition is basically protective styles styles that tuck your ends away um, from your hair from being exposed to damaging agents like the sun, heat, and constant manipulation. You know, one of the things for our community, for black, for natural hair communities, don't touch your hair too much. Too much hair manipulation can break it off. So it just protects your hair. Um, It's beneficial to all hair types. Um, Some of my favorite ones are braids or two-strand twists, things that you can do to kind of um, prolong touching it, keeping your ends up. Um, Some other ones that are noted on this website are buns, braids, sew-ins, so some women get their hair, um, they get weaves, and that helps, and wigs, I used to wear wigs a lot too, um, just keeping your hair kinda um, either braided or twisted so that you're not manipulating it so much, right? Heat mm-hmm. damage, like if you're styling your hair as a natural person, you don't wanna flat iron your hair every day, you don't wanna keep your hair flat ironed, you know, you wanna retain length and you want your hair to be healthy. So those are just styles, and that was, um, an issue I saw um, in 2013, I started seeing um, Vanessa Van Dyke. I think she was a young girl, a violinist. She had a really beautiful afro. And I can't remember what state it was in, but it, they were saying that she didn't basically tie her hair up. She couldn't. The school was going to either kick her out or expel her. And then there was another little girl, and she was like seven at the time, Tiana. And she was um, in the South, and she had dreadlocks. And the school said that she could not go to the school with her dreadlocks and then you would think oh 2013 that was a long time ago but I believe just last year 2019 a little six-year-old boy went to school at a charter school I believe it was somewhere down south and they told him he couldn't go to school and so because he had dreadlocks as well I mean there's so many stories I'm trying to compile a list but there's so many stories like I believe the young man last year the wrestler they literally had to cut his hair. They said, we're not gonna allow you to wrestle if you have dreads. I mean, how long had he had those dreads? And how long had he been wrestling? But at this event at that time, they were like, no, you cannot wrestle if you don't cut your hair. They cut his hair and it was on the news. And there's another case right now, I believe a young man, he can't graduate if he has dreads. I mean, so every time I, we t- I turn around, there's a story of um, young people that are just being told that their hair is not good enough. That's another thing is is that the
0: braids and the dreads uh, makes it so that the care of it
1: is easier. How, how does that work? I definitely know that for braids. Um, I know that I've got my hair braided before and it's like a sigh of relief because you don't have to manipulate your hair for a period of time. Um, I know that um, getting your hair braided in certain styles could cost several hundred dollars, it could cost a hundred dollars, just depends on, you know, um, you know what you want and who you get to do it for you. <laughs> but it could be very expensive. And so it could be a month or two, I know someone who's gone six months, they've had their hair braided for six months and they, you know, they kept their, wash their hair, condition their hair, but they don't have that daily maintenance. And that is, and you know, your hair is protected. You know that when you take your hair down, your hair won't be all broken off necessarily. And it gives you a chance to, you know, not have to manage it. Because it can be a process. How old were you when you started
0: ma- taking more time to maintain your hair? Like, I mean, wh- where did it go from from when you were, you know, like three and th- until the point that you decided to make the shift to naturally taking care of hair?
1: Um, yeah, my mother always took care of my hair, you know, as a kid. I mean, our moms take care of our hair. Um, high school, I got a relaxer. Um, before that, I had an S curl, just something to manage my roots because my hair was just really thick. What What's an S curl? It's a texturizer, so it makes your hair a little softer. So it's a texturizer. It's also supposed to make your hair curly or wavy. So I got one of those maybe like in middle school. So it's like a spray, or it's like a chemical that you put in your hair, similar to a relaxer, but it makes your hair like it texturizes. It makes it softer. That's That's what I. That's why I got it. Um, my mom said, "Let's get your you know S curl." That was back in like the eighties, nineties, right? They didn't straighten my hair because back then everyone had their hair straightened and that was like really important to you. are in high school, you should have nice hair. Natural being natural wasn't a huge thing that I noticed. So I got a relaxer. And so after that, you know, I was cool. My hair was straight. And so I would go to the shop every, maybe every month or every two months I go and I would get my hair relaxed and it made it much more manageable easy to comb, but you still couldn't do certain things like go in the rain, you didn't want to get your hair wet, you were, you were not going to go in the pool. There were still things you weren't going to do with your relaxer, um, but at least your hair was straight, right? It looked nice. Um, and so um, late 20s, I decided I saw good hair. I listened to Chris Rock, and, and my best friend at the time, she had been natural for so long, and her hair was beautiful. She knew all, like, really cool hairstyles. And so I was like, I'm going to go natural and it was a really big eye-opener because I didn't know my hair and that mean I didn't know myself it was really like a culture shock that I didn't know how to manage my hair because if you just think about hair it sounds very it doesn't seem important it's like oh my hair but if you've never really touched your own hair if you've never really washed your own hair if you've never really had to deal with the roots of your hair it really makes you realize your identity is grounded in what? So what have my identity be grounded in all that time? So my hair changed how I saw beauty and how I saw myself because I didn't know how to comb it (laughs) because I was tender headed growing up. So even combing it, you have to take time. Um, If you ever watch any YouTube videos on natural hair, you know, they're supposed to take your hair from the ends all the way up with a wide tooth comb You can't just start at the root and come down. I mean, some people do, but some people really comb their hair gently not to pull it, not to break it. And so I had to learn all that. I had to learn how to detangle it because it gets really thick and it would get knotted. And I was like, where are all these knots coming from? I had to learn about the shampoo that I should use, detangling shampoo preference-wise, what kind of conditioner because some conditioners felt like they were stripping my hair. So it was like all these things I had to learn how to do, where before, I'd just go buy some shampoo, come conditioner, wash it, and then go to the shop and the person would take care of the rest, right? So it was like really, um, it was sad on one hand that I didn't know my own hair, that I mean I didn't know my own truth, right? And then it was, other was like um, exhausting, because I was like, I don't know what to do. You know, so do I go back to being relaxed, or do I really just take this journey to be me? To let my, this is my hair. You know, as I wore my hair, you know, Friday, I may wear it out, because it's, you know, Friday's supposed to be casual Friday, so I'm not gonna wear my hair in a ponytail. I'm gonna wear my hair out. Or just watching reactions of others, that was really impactful too. Like if I just wore my hair out, how people looked at me, or did not look at me, and then how they would look at me if I decided to straighten my hair. And the difference oh i like your hair oh your hair oh, oh. wait well, they would say oh i like your hair just oh huge emphasis on my hair when it was straight
0: when it was straight
1: yeah huge emphasis on oh i like it Oh, basically keep it like that and don't keep it the other way and and that could be just what i was internalizing but it's it was a lot of difference it went from silence when i wore my real hair so if I straighten it, oh, you combed your hair today. Oh, I really like your hair. Oh, this is nice. Oh, you look young. You know, it's just all these different.
0: Does it matter whether it's from the black community or from the white community? Yeah, you know, like? just
1: people. It was just, yeah, it could be any any culture. People would be like, you know, coworkers. You know, just walking down the street. People who knew me and knew how I was, you know, going through this journey, but maybe didn't know everything. Just they would want to affirm a particular hairstyle. And maybe ignore another one so you could kind of tell the difference between you know the reactions i was getting i mean you can kind of see a pattern of church i mean just it could be both cultures you know that maybe not understand or maybe my journey through my natural hair process my hair was looking crazy because i didn't know how to twist it i didn't know how to do a lot of things and people were just trying to help me or just compliment me but you know those things you know take a toll and they kind of make you think okay should I continue doing this? That's, that's how I internalized it. Should I continue being natural or should I go back and relax my hair? Or should I just press my, I mean, this like should I just press my hair when my hair pressed? And so um, I don't know when the turning point happened. I think I just started watching more YouTube videos because that was a really great community. Um, the videos and where the women are there and they're just showing you what they've been doing. Like they've gone through the journey themselves and they're like, this is a method that might help you. And there's like a huge, um, you know, you can read the comments and then people were like encouraging each other. That helped me. And in 2015, you know, they have the, um, I'm a poet. So every April, there's like a 30 day poetry challenge. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna do a hair poem every day. It seemed very insignificant. Hair, I'm gonna just talk about my, I'm gonna do poems about hair, everyday natural hair, or just hairstyles or whatever, hair. And that was hard. Cause I realized that hair is huge. Right, you know, uh, religious-wise, hair is our glory, hair, you know, spiritual for a lot of cultures. And so it wasn't very different for me. You know, society deems us a certain way based on our hair. Socially, we can connect with people based on our hair. And that's why I had a really great virtual community, right, building community. But also seeing how I looked in society. But I just started this 30-day poetry challenge. And I see women maybe on Facebook or just in the community, and I take their picture, I said, can I use your picture for my book, from a poem? And I write about their hair. Or right, they tell me a little bit about their story and I write about their story about their hair. And so one of the poems I wrote is that I realized that my hair grows unyielding, refusing to disavow culture and DNA. My hair will not be relaxed. I mean, it, it could be relaxed for maybe a month or two, but it, it will come back. It will come back thicker and stronger than ever. So my hair was stronger than me. My hair was more resistant than to, you know, it was not willing to care about standards. It did not care what companies said about it. It was going to grow back. Matter of fact, it was going to grow back thicker. It was going to grow back kinkier just to show me this is who I am. So So your hair was fighting you. My hair was like, I don't care what you do. This is who I am. And so that taught me a lot about myself. Why don't I listen to my hair? My hair was stronger than me. So I was like, okay hair, let's do this. So even though I can say, oh my, it's been a huge journey, I feel free. Like I can walk, if it's raining outside, I don't care anymore, oh it's raining. Oh I wouldn't get in the pool, I can get in the pool, I go to the gym, I don't have to worry about my hair, what's gonna happen to it if it gets wet, if I sweat or anything like that, I'm just free to go. I just wake up, I can put my hair up, I can maybe go outside. I know now how to kind of make it go. And so that is freeing, when you don't have to worry about your hair in the morning, you don't have to fit into some type of box, you can just be who you are. That is the best thing. So I got the grant from 4Culture, and so last September I started doing workshops. My first workshop was, what is good hair? You know, My goal was to show Chris Walk's documentary. It's a documentary or film that focused on issues about black women have perceived their hair and historically styled it. So it just goes on this journey of, you know, the hair industry, how we feel about our hair, you know, why it's being straightened or why it's being more kinky. There's a humor in it, but there's also a lot of seriousness in it. Chris Rock decided to do it because I believe his daughter said she wanted good hair. And he was like, you got my mama's hair. You know, he was like, you know, what do you mean your hair's not good, you know? That caused him to go on a journey because his own daughter didn't like herself because of her hair. So he was like, what's going on? And so that was one of the documentaries that I showed. And another documentary I showed was um, In Our Heads About Our Hair. And so that was a a similar type of documentary uh, where women of color were talking about their hair texture. Um, It examines the issues black women confront regarding their hair and self-esteem. Despite current natural hair trends, in urban areas, many Black women say conforming to mainstream beauty standards makes it easier, right? Makes it easier to find jobs and make it makes it easier to live. Um, so it was also just a really wonderful documentary, and that was produced in two thousand and twelve. And so there was a young girl. I was kind of I was advertising, talking to people about it, and there was a young girl, young mother in the library, and I just happened to reach over, you know, give her one of the flyers, and I asked her, you know, about her hair. She had her hair weaved. It looked really cute. And I talked about her natural hair, and she was like, oh, I could never wear my hair natural. And I was like, why can't you wear your hair natural? She was like, it would be short. It's kinky. People would laugh at me if I wore my own hair. And I was like, really? And I was like, I bet it's really beautiful. And she was just not there. She just didn't think her hair would be, her hair was worth her wearing. I don't know. I don't even know how to put it into sentences, but she did not see um, a way that she could wear her own hair and still be considered beautiful and still be, you know, without being maybe mocked. And her daughter was um, with her. Her her daughter had, you know, different hair texture, she said. my daughter has different hair texture than I do. It's softer than mine, so she could wear her hair naturally. I let her wear hair naturally, but I can't wear my hair naturally. And I was like, please come to my workshop. I love to talk to you more about your hair and your journey and your story. And so those are just some of the stories I'm hearing where some people are like, I love my hair. I don't have any issues with my hair. And they're natural. Are people who have, you know, um, are people who are like, have had horrible experiences where they're crying, like, oh you know, where they can recount a story where either they had to get all their hair cut off because of a, a chemical treatment or people who made them feel horribly about their hair work. I mean, there's just like a spectrum of stories. And so for my project, um, my website is called, it's um, unyieldingroots.com. I'm just looking for hair stories. It could be a love story to your hair. It could be a story about pain or trauma, but it could just be you know, a story where you learn to embrace who you are, your hair. Uh, I'm not looking for any particular type of story, but just in a, a story about your journey. And I'm looking for stories from women, black women, teens and young girls, because I'm taking care of my niece right now and she was four when she came and she didn't like her hair and, and I noticed that. And I was like, oh, you're a beautiful little brown princess. And she was like, no, I'm a white princess. And I was like, okay and so I, she was four years old because that's what she saw frozen you know and so that's what you know and I was like okay and so I tried to affirm her and give her dolls and things like that that look like her and then recently I asked about her hair she's like well I don't like my hair and I was like am I failing am I failing you know and so she said I don't like my hair the girls at school say my hair has too much oil in it or my hair is this and that and you know, just the messaging that she's gotten from her hair. And I wear my hair naturally all the time. You know, but she's she was like seven. And she didn't like her hair. We don't even watch that much TV. Because when I was a kid, I watched so much TV. And I, that's how I got a lot of my hair, hair esteem from TV and, you know, celebrities. But I don't even let her watch that much TV. So just going out in elementary school, you know, princesses. What princess has her hair? You know, like, who can she look up and say, that's my hair? And so this is another reason why this project is important to me, because I really want to know how these policies are affecting women, teens, and young girls. How are we going to help them have hair esteem? You know, and even when I look at the project, is it important? Right? It's important for me. And as I talk to more and more women, I see it's important to them. Um, And one of my goals is to take the book and go to schools. You know, maybe talk to principals, maybe talk to, I'm a teacher myself, talk to schools, officials, and say, this is our hair. This is how young girls, teens, and women are feeling about their hair. These are some of their hair stories, you know. um, Maybe to add some type of um, conversation around those hair policies. Because you might see a young girl in your class with braids, but that could have taken eight hours to do maybe $200, and that's going to give her a chance to concentrate on school. Hair is huge. Because when we look at, when well, my hair personally, just black women and their hair, if you look at them, our hair is different. We have to figure out ways to keep, you know, be just as beautiful as everyone else, but also to manage our hair. And everything tells us our hair is not enough. Everything is like, your hair is too kinky, your hair is too this, and your hair is too that. At some point, we have to embrace who we are. We have to protect our hair. And everywhere we turn, and a lot of instances it's a no or it's not good enough and if we chemically straighten our hair there's 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 cancerous agents in there and if we straighten our hair with so much heat it could break our hair off you know so where you know where's our relief where can we be who we are if we can't be who you are at school like I'm working on my master's right now education I have found nothing in a textbook that says if someone comes to school with hair that's too kinky or hair that's braided, they can't be educated. Like there's nothing in the textbooks about that. So I don't know where these policies are placed and why they're important.
0: Besides the the news pieces about African-American kids who are, you know, where their hair is cut off at school or they're sent home uh, because of their hair, tell me of, like, some of the
1: stories that have come up around you. I did a workshop with uh, YELL through Highline. They do it every year with young girls of color. And so I taught the workshop, um, Unyielding Roots workshop about hair. And I did it just overall about women and their hair. And then I ended it with, you know, black women, the discrimination, the struggles, and the laws that have been passed about hair discrimination. And there, at the end of it, there was a lot of young girls of color, black girls, that were saying, "Yeah, when I go to school, I went to school." And I guess one young girl had went to school with her hair weaved, but she didn't have something, so she wore like a bandana over, or she wore a scarf. And the school official was like, "You can't be here with that on your head. You have to go home." And she was like, "I just got up to come here to learn, you know." Uh, so she was trying to have straight hair to be at school, but, you know, uh, that was one. And then there was another young girl who goes to a private school. I think she's like one of only black girls or black students in the school. And she was like, one day I just wanted to go to school with my hair out. So she wore her hair out, and that everybody in class wanted to touch her hair and talk to her about her hair. And the teacher pulled her to the side and was like, can you not wear your hair like that anymore? It's distracting. It's disturbing the class, basically. That's how she took it. So there was a lot of stories at the end where I was able to just talk. You know, I talked about just hair in general. Like, what is hair? What does it represent? And I talked about different cultures and what's, you know, the significance of hair in their culture. And then I ended it with, you know, just some of the things I've noticed about discrimination. Around, and the girls were, like, raising their hand. And they were just really had a lot of stories about their hair. And how they're trying to comply. And how they're trying to assimilate. But with the hair texture that's unyielding you know, with unyielding roots and what that meant to them and how they saw their hair and how they want to keep their hair straight just to avoid a lot of backlash. But it could be expensive. It could be expensive. Mm. So they've internalized a lot of pain. So they were like, thank you. You know, they were like, thank you for talking about this. Um, Because we're, I don't know where they could talk about it.
0: As people within the community, you know, who are not necessarily African American, what are ways that we can promote and a culture, an environment that is,
1: that is helpful. I think that uh, it's the policies, right, it's a lot of the um, hair, um, the handbooks and things like that, the company standards that should also be looked at as well. Um, But maybe research it, read, there's a lot of history on black hair, especially in America because we didn't talk about like historically, like slavery. We didn't own ourselves, so we didn't own our own hair. So our hair was either shaved off sometimes to commit for shame, shaming us, or we just had to figure out how to moisturize our hair. So it's been a huge journey of just owning your hair. And still we don't own our own hair. And still there's this huge conversation about our hair. Or there's no conversation, but there's macro or microaggressions about our hair and how we're wearing our hair. And that has come from slavery to today. So I think people can read and research and realize that if someone's wearing their hair in an Afro, that is how their hair grows out of their head. Everyone's hair is not the same. That is their hair, right? And just, that's it, that's their hair. Um, Their hair is not like your hair and um, that's okay. I think it's okay if their hair looks like that. Um, I mean, that for me, just do some research on it. Like there's a lot of information about it. You know, in kindergarten, keep, keep comments. If they are negative comments, keep them to yourself, right? You don't have to share everything with everybody, you know, if it's a negative comment. I think that people just don't realize what goes on, what goes into um, looking, you know, a uh, beauty standards. Like, we're trying to, conform, a lot of black women, not every black woman have, has to conform to a standard that does not fit our mold. It, there's a lot that goes into straightening our hair, coming a professional, and in whose opinion Right? There's a lot of steps that we have to take, and so respect that. So if we come to work with our hair strain, we there's a steps that we've taken. You know, black women have spent, I think in 2017, $473 million on their hair. Why are we spending so much money on our hair? To assimilate, to come into a culture that doesn't want us a lot of times because of various reasons, and notably we can say through the laws that have been passed, our hair. And we're doing a lot of work to conform. And nobody wants to conform to us. No one's gonna say, okay, let me think about why your hair looks like that. It's just your hair does not fit my policy. You cannot come to my school. We work hard to assimilate and it's exhausting. There's a lot of layers, there's a lot of historical pain. There's a lot that goes into talking about hair, black hair, black women in their hair, black males in their hair, right? So it's, it's a layer. It's a layer, but I think if you're a school, especially, you can talk to the parents, right? You can talk to other teachers. I mean, um, try to do some research though. I think that from my standpoint, and that could be wrong, but in a lot of instances, it feels like there's just like this, another door that could be closed. But this door closed, we can't change our skin color. We can't change our, I mean, if we change our hair texture. I mean, we can, but it's just a process. Why do we have to make so many changes? And I don't see a lot of changes being made for us.
0: What are some examples of remarks that that are microaggressions
1: about hair? I mean, just even can I touch your hair? It's like you're a dog or something. I think it goes back to not being able to own your own body. I think there's just layers. I mean, so one of them is you're not going to be able to get a job with your hair like that. Is your hair real? Why wow, your hair is so soft? I wasn't expecting that. Does a comb ever get stuck in your hair? Do you even comb your hair? You have good hair because your curls are pretty and defined. I think you should straighten your hair more often. It's pretty. And then um, I'm gonna read a poem. Okay. okay. So the Unyielding Roots Project um, is my hope. We use poetry and storytelling to capture our hair stories. By telling our hair stories, I'm hoping the stories will inspire schools and companies, our people to change their bias policies and practices and to help black women and girls and teens share and embrace their hair history. Their hair esteem maybe will be improved um, through the storytelling. So I'm just hoping it will build a community of understanding and a place where people can be free to be who they are. Mm. So this is a young girl from Philip who was in fifth grade who said she was bullied because of her hair. And I wrote this poem inspired by her. Her name is Audrey. And says, this is my hair. These are my roots, thick, coily, and unwavering. My hair grows unyielding under the weight of policies and labels of not being enough, but it will not bend or change who it is. It fights to remain everything it is told not to be. Unapologetically free. I'm a narrative poet, so I like to tell my story, but I love hearing other stories. And I think combining the stories will create a really great picture of what's going on the love, the pain, and the struggle with being naturally who we are. Yeah. The problem is where you go to school and someone says your hair is not enough. Your hair is deemed. You know, to this and to that, too nappy, too dry, too short, not straight, right? Is where the internalizing starts, and then the judgment, the self-esteem is impacted, right? It's nothing wrong with going to school and sharing, touching, you know, hair and you know, but it's when someone's told that their hair is not good enough, or the messaging says that, or if you wear your hair in its natural state, the teacher's reaction, or the other students are like that's ugly or that's and then you're bullied for something that you cannot control. Yeah,
0: mm. yeah. and then you're trying to control that um, by yourself, right, by- You internalize
1: it and maybe it's really a, a, you know, you think, you know, who do you share that with necessarily? But this young girl, Audrey, went home and shared it with her mom, and then her mom was like, no way. And so then her mom took it to the news, you know, to let people know, this is not, this is not right. And so you could see her here and you could see her hair was beautiful, beautiful flowing. She wore an afro, and everyone was just upset about that. But we have to think about why the kids are upset about it. They don't see it often, so they don't see it. And then when they do see it, it's negatively portrayed, then that's what the kids have also internalized. So they're communicating what they've learned, and they're trying to project that onto other people. So what we've learned about black women and their hair is being communicated, and that's why these laws are being created. So it's coming from somewhere, right? But we are at the brunt of it. So how do we handle it? Right,
0: yeah, and it is also about how people deal with discomfort. Yes. There's that, um, it's making me feel uncomfortable or if the children are feeling uncomfortable because they've never really seen it before, then how how
1: does an adult help navigate? How do you have a conversation in your classroom? Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. For me, it's not just hair. It is just hair, but there's a history. There's layers. There's some internalizing I've had. There's messaging I've had. There's experience I've had. I can't convey it all, but how I show up with my hair, you know, it says a lot. And your hair talked to you (laughs) Yeah, My hair was like, I don't care what you're doing and why you're doing it, but this is who I am. This is how I'm going to grow. This is what I need you to do. I need you to figure it out. This is who you are, this is part of your DNA. This is your culture. So my hair just had no sympathy for me. It was just like, whatever, figure it out. Like, figure out how to comb me or I'm gonna break. But I'll I'll come back stronger than ever.
0: That was Renton Technical College adjunct faculty member poet, and author Kiana Davis, discussing her project Unyielding Roots that celebrates black hair and self-love. Special thanks to Sophia Sethi for her help with editing the story. With KDCS, I'm Yuko Kadama.